1: of death and grief. Each week I talk to a different person about their experiences of grief and death as we remember someone that they have lost along the way. Whether it was a long time ago or you've just joined the club. Welcome to Griefcast.
2: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's a l l b i r d dot code SUPER24.
1: Hey, griefsters. Hope you're having an okay week on this uh, slightly dreary january as ever um just look i know it's nearly out and once it's out i can stop banging on about it perhaps but the book is out you are not alone 19th of january if you haven't pre-ordered it yet please do it's everything i've learned from the show i'm really proud of it i think it's a really good book that's my sales pitch i hope you like it um and pre-orders make a huge huge difference so if you've ever found the show useful or helpful or recommended it to someone this would mean an awful lot to me if you could do a pre-order the book launch has also moved. It's now on January the 19th at Waterstones Piccadilly in London. So if you're based in London, please do come along and listen to me and Fee Glover talking about life, death, grief and everything in between. This week I'm so excited to speak to such an amazing writer. Um, I love talking to writers, I love talking to comedians, but yeah, she's a particularly interesting person. Her name is Lisa Tadeo. She's the author of The Phenomenal Three Women, also Animal and Ghost Lover, which came out last year. You may have heard of Three Women. It was absolutely everywhere. It's an incredible, incredible book. Uh, she spent eight years talking to Three Women about sex and desire and and wrote it up. And it, yeah, it's extraordinary, really extraordinary book. Um, but I was really grateful because she's so busy, Lisa. She's currently turning Three Women, I think, yes, Three Women into a show. Um, but she spared some time to come and talk to me about her parents, Peter and Pia. So, Lisa, who are we remembering today? Um, My mother. Your mother. And what was your mother's name? Pia. Pia. Oh, like P-I-A? Yes. Oh, I love that name. Was she Pia Todeo or is that your... She
3: was, Um, yes, yeah, she was Pia Todeo, but she started off as Pia Lombardi.
1: Wow. This is a very glamorous name. <laughs> <laughs> it is a glamorous name. She yeah. was
3: four. Um, but she had a glamorous name and she was very beautiful. So it have those
1: two things, but
3: um, yeah, she was very poor.
1: So how did Pia die? What happened? She had um, lung cancer. Lung cancer. And how many years ago did she die? 2008. 2008. Oh, okay. So you're sort of, you're past the 10 years.
3: My dad is even longer. My dad was 2003. Wow. And it they both I I get embarrassed at how long ago it's been Mm. for um for what what I still feel, which is obviously not obviously totally a societal you know that we kind of do. Uh, I'll never forget when my dad died, finding out that I had like three days of bereavement, like bereavement was just like three days, like. And it didn't matter like what level of
1: person it was. Is this at your job? So they just gave you three days, breathing for your dad's dying. Oh my God. And it was like really an interesting feeling
3: because I was so young and I just, it was my first job out of college. And I remember thinking how harsh it was. And, And I mean, I also knew at the same time that my actual boss would have been fine you know if i had said i need more time etc like it would have been fine so it's not like i felt strapped in that way and i was still living with my i could move back in with my mom so like it was fine but i did feel the pressure of oh if i had to keep working and had to go in and did not have the kind of benefit of knowing that if i did need more time or you know, had to stop completely that I would be supported by my mother. It was the first time I felt that sort of unique feeling of, um, oh shoot, if you, sometimes you have to work even when you are like, you know, dying in pain. Mm. And so that's something that I think has really motivated me to want to, uh, to be successful because I'm really afraid of having to, like, I want to be able to just stop work at any time. It's like, okay, that's it, I don't have to, which is actually quite, you know, not the best idea because sometimes having to work is exactly the thing that saves you. But those are my, sorry, my long-winded response.
1: No, no, it's really interesting. And there's a campaign here at the moment to increase bereavement leave and to kind of like enshrine it and make it, you know, a thing because I think it's pretty discretionary at the moment depending on the job and mm-hmm. it is this really strange thing of <laughs> like their measurement of like three days yep three days a day to plan the funeral day to have the funeral day to cry back to work it's like three days for like a parent is is it's a crazy number and to think that someone would be and it's funny, isn't it? I think it's really interesting what you said of like, it's not like you kind of know, oh, if I had asked or if I'd gone into my boss and burst into tears, they would have said fine. But it's the fact that you're having to say, oh, by the way, what you thought was enough wasn't enough. Yes. Like I have to call it, be like, you know how normal people have yes. three days? I, this drama queen yes. here, my need more. Like it's exactly it's putting that pressure on someone to, to say, oh, my grief is more than this. Yeah. Um. And that, yeah, three days is nuts, isn't it? It's absolutely nuts. Why would anyone... three days um I mean don't also don't be embarrassed about length of time because my dad died in 1998 so I'm like pre pre the millennium and here I am still talking about it so as we say on the show like it's not linear like there's no time limit on these things it's just you feel what you feel and some days are better than others and that's that's it really what was your dad's name just because we didn't get that Peter Peter oh Peter and (laughs) Oh, wow, this, just this, 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 like <laughs> I love it. The characters from a book. So were you what happened with because we spoke about Pia first of all with your mom. Were you with her? Like was it a long was she ill for a very long time?
3: No, not very long. It it went very fast once we um found out once she was diagnosed um but I think we caught it very late. It had already metastasized and then it was like 6 months or oh, so. God. And yes, I was with her for all of it taking her to the hospital for chemo and radiation and caring for her at home. And it was really, really, really hard.
1: Yeah. Was she someone who talked about her illness and expressed her fears or anything like that?
3: When my father died, she sort of lost all uh, will to live, which is why I believe mm. she gave herself to cancer.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, it's quite close, isn't it? So you lost him 2003, did you say? Yeah. 2008. Yeah. This, so yeah, five years between it. Gosh, that must have been hard for you.
3: Yes, it was. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah. So I, she, she did talk about it, but not in like a. She was not. Um, I was in this sort of like we can figure this out and mm. fix it, and she was not interested in that. Um, no. sort of mindset. Mm. Uh, and I was angry at her for not wanting to, to do that. Yeah. Uh, She didn't want to. And I mean, not that we didn't try stuff. We still tried (sighs) stuff. It's not like she declined, you know, treatment, Mm. but it was, you know, it was all like when you're like, there's something uniquely weird about wanting someone to live who doesn't want to live themselves Mm. and like, and then being angry at them for not caring more about being there for you. Mm so
0: yeah it's really
1: um god that's like this the last chapter in a parent-child relationship isn't it (laughs) because it's like you're stumping your feet being like I'm still like I'm still the child and this person's like well I'm I'm there's almost an acceptance there from her point of view (laughs) isn't it like I know I'm not going to be around I know this is what's happening and it's Yeah, it's really hard. I said on the show before, like my dad was very young when he died, but he just refused to talk about it um, because he was in complete denial. He was like, I'm going to be fine. We were all like, you're not going to be fine. (laughs) Um, And cancer as well. And it's a real that anger you feel and it, you know, I've talked about a lot of my anger I mean I was furious at him for dying just furious just like how fucking dare you like what is wrong with you like I just and it's such an, like you said it's so rational but it doesn't it doesn't um dim it in any way like it is just like such a primal fury at someone that they would do this to you <laughs> like as if they had any choice how did you deal oh, I don't want to jump ahead like yeah. How did, how, well, I'm going to do it. How did you deal with that anger with, I guess, with when she was ill as well? What was. I guess at that point
3: I'd expended so much of my feelings about my dad mm. that by that point, even though I wanted her to want to live, I also was so exhausted with feeling the grief mm-hmm. that like there was something that made it easier with her that even though she was I mean, my dad was like you know I, it's weird it's like I can't I, I don't I don't I didn't love one more than the other they were equally you know important and important to me in different ways and she was important in a way that you know it was very I mean just super primal for me and I think that if I had I think I think if I had lost her first it would have been harder Mm. You know, because I'd gone through my dad already it was kind of like I was more ready for it I guess and I was exhausted by it yeah. and so the anger was almost more at exhaustion than rage yeah like this again like,
1: really? <laughs> yeah this yeah
3: again really I have to like just the idea of sometimes I, I only have one kid. And um, even though part of me would like another, the idea of doing all the sort of really boring, annoying things all over again is always what stops. And I'm like, Oh God, that whole period doing that whole like sleepless nights again. Like, it's like, uh, uh, if I'm not going to learn, I mean, of course, this is wrong and incorrect. And of course I would learn many new things. It would be a new person and a new experience, but I'm like, what am I? I'm not going to learn anything new from that. (laughs) That's kind of how I felt with the death. I was just like, nothing is happening here except
1: for more pain. Yeah. Um, I remember my, um, so my husband has lost both his, sorry, both his parents have died. And he lost his dad in his mid twenties. And I was kind of like, I got this, dead dads. I got this, no Mm -hmm. props. And then when his mom was sick, I remember that when he told me, I like physically ran away from him I ran upstairs and I fell like I fell to the floor crying because I'm a bit extreme and he tried to comfort me and like as if I was upset but it was because I knew we had to do it again and I just felt this feeling of like I can't like because she was sick and we just got the news base it's not you know there's nothing it's cancer. you know yeah bad news nothing we can do. And I just felt like completely relate to, I felt that feeling of like, you know, you're on a board game and like someone just picked you up and put you back to the, and you're like, no, (laughs) like I've done, I've done it. Like, this isn't, I want, it's not fair. You just want to scream. And I, I couldn't say it to him because obviously he was in the place where he was like, not, not even thinking about that, you know, the end. yet. He was just dealing with the day to day. How do you deal with the, it's not fair. Yeah. (laughs) I think it's such a cliche and I think it's the incorrect cliche. So I think it's time, but I don't mean time heals and everything gets better. I think just it's a bomb blast, a death, and you keep walking further and further away and then you can just see a bit more and you can just kind of take in a bit more and be like, Oh, okay. Yeah. It's not fair, but also this thing, they had that life and I knew I loved them and they, I knew that they, they love me and you walk a bit further. And you're like, Oh, other people don't get that. So they, although I feel like it's not fair, mm, they also have that. I've got this and you keep sort of walking back, but it takes, I mean, yeah. you know, I'm 20 plus years and I'm I feel like I've just got to the point where I'm like, yeah. Okay. That happened. And it, I wish, you know, like you said I, I wish it was simpler and better and easier and that I could say oh I I did therapy for you and and now I'm fine. <laughs> like but there just isn't there just isn't a simple solution. And I compare it a lot to birth in that, you know, you have a kid and it's not like after a year you're just great at doing it. Just like every day is a new challenge, <laughs> a new like and I have got two and I will tell you I agree with you. it It's still boring the first second time around. Like, oh no, not we just all potty training again. We did it once. Can't the other one teach the other one? So I think it's a mixture of therapy and time is what I Mm -hmm. found. But it is hard. It is really, really hard. And I think the loss of both parents is a really different situation. I know my from my husband and my mum lost her mum and dad like within two weeks of each other. Similar, like my mum, my granny was like, I'm, I'm not living goodbye. <laughs> and she was like, it's really, it's a really different feeling because you really are alone in the world. That's a very, you know, there's yeah. no backup. There's no net anymore. It's just you. Look. And I remember my husband saying it's really freeing because part of you is like, wow, i got no one, no approval. I need to worry about. Yeah. but Also I got no one to go, Hey, guess what? Yeah. Um, And yeah, it's me too. How I mean, how have you? How have you felt like you've dealt with it? It's not fair, or is it just you're still going? Oh, you know,
3: I've turned so much of it into um, fear of it happening again. Yes, death anxiety. Yes, so that's really um, that's what I need to work through more. I'm very. I'm very, the idea of doing it again is just like on, like, I'm just like, I, no, I, I won't. Like, yeah. I won't do it. Um, but that's obviously not how it works. And I don't want to live in a world where it's a possibility. <laughs> I just can't. Like, and I think, and, and it, it, so I have a lack of acceptance. Mm. Um, Not so much of what happened with my parents, even though that's definitely part of it, but if it of that just being um not even the it's not fair but the you know just it's just scared just the fear of it is just yeah. too it's just too
1: because it's too big of a deal you know <laughs> yeah yeah we we call it on the show death anxiety and you know yeah. once you've been through it i don't know anyone yeah. i don't know anyone who after you know having a parent die or someone very close in their family is cool with death. <laughs> like I think because it is like that thing of like, we got our hands burnt. And so you're like, don't, yeah. don't bring the fire near me. Like, fuck you. <laughs> like, and it's, yeah, it's really, I don't know if you have this, I have. I I wrestle with it, but like, especially with my kids, you know, like, it's like, well, now there's something really precious. Like, oh, for God's sake, like, I, what have I done? Like making yourself vulnerable to these things. Yeah. And um, I'd, I've i got better at catching it, definitely. But for years, it was just like, no, be on guard at all times. Because yeah my dad got diagnosed in the February and he was dead by the April. So my brain just went, okay, the moment someone's got it, they're going to die. Like, that's, yeah, that's, that's the truth.
3: That's just, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's really totally hard to
1: break true. out of that. Yeah. How long was um, your mum sick for then? Do you say, sorry, do you say it was about six months or... Yes, six months. Six months. And were you with her at, like, the very end? Yes,
3: through all of it. Um, Mm. Yes. I was there every day and night. It was, um, yeah, it was a lot. It was just, uh, and and that's the other thing. It's, like, the um, the being with, um, the the sort of waiting around for it to happen. Mm. And the knowing that like we're all marked right as it is but having that sort of that extra marker put on just feels very I don't know just difficult Mm.
1: did you were you with her at the you know when she died were you did you have a moment or anything like we always talk on the show that there is no moment but yeah
3: I put um Towards like the last hour, whenever I put her like hand over my head Mm. so that I could just feel it one more time. Oh, (laughs) that's such a beautiful thing to do. (laughs) I had to like physically, you know, yeah, yeah. later, which felt also very weird.
1: Yeah it's, that, it's yeah. that thing isn't it at the end of like the things you need but again it's that attention of the things you need and the things they can do I'm sure she wouldn't have minded <laughs> it feels like.
3: no, no, I, I don't I don't think so yeah like,
1: yeah <laughs> but yes it's, it's still a weird it's a weird thing yeah I don't I think don't know if it's weird I think it's like that we don't talk about it you know yeah. like we don't talk about well oh, I needed to feel my mum, my mum's touch one more time so I did this and and so no one I don't think anyone would actually judge you for it. I think everyone would be like, yeah, I understand. I can empathize with that. But it's when you're doing these things, you feel sort of silly, don't you? Of Like, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. But part of you still drives yourself into like, I need to do this. So okay. I'm glad that you did it because my my heartbreaking thing is when I talk to people who said I wanted to and I mm-hmm. didn't. I felt silly yeah. and I didn't. And that always to me is like, well, who would have known? <laughs> who yeah. would have known? Nurses yeah. have seemed much worse. <laughs> like, yeah. okay. much stranger. Totally. Did you Did you have to organize all the funeral and stuff by yourself? Is that like and? I had a brother, had.
3: I have a brother. He's um 14 years older. So he he had a full family um, right. by the time. His wife did a lot of the organizing of things for us, but... Yeah, I mean, I dragged my feet on literally every single part of getting mm-hmm. headstones, everything that made it more real. Yeah. I um I tried to stop or at least delay. And I think I still I still kind of do that. I still feel like I still don't really accept it in a sense. And so I mean, I do, I accept it obviously, but I but like I just Putting energy into the memorialization of something that I that really just ruined my life is something mm. I'm not interested in doing. <sighs> so I'm like, and and my brother is completely the opposite. He has like his entire house is basically um, a museum to our parents. I was like it's a shrine, including the license plate from my father's car accident hanging wow um the ceiling like a like a like a decoration like a chandelier <laughs> um was <it's> crazy <laughs> but um he sees it in a different way and like for him it's like a like curation of memories
1: mm. and
3: i i want to be able to do that but i i'm just i'm kind of like i try i try to move away from it more
1: mm. i think siblings is like the most fascinating thing because, you know, I do a podcast about it. My brother is always saying to me, I have an older brother as well. He's always like, don't know why you like, he's like, I just feel I don't need to talk about it. It's just like, it's not like okay, it's just fine. And um I always find it really interesting how, yeah, how different, you know, grief manifests. And in the same, but as we said, like, you're, you are a different parent to different, to different children, you know, you're different ages, all of this stuff. It's, it makes it, well, lots of reasons of why you would react differently but um yeah it's again I interviewed um the Mac twins so twins you know like yeah. pretty similar upbringing and they on the episode they talked about how differently they both like one of them just shut down she was like playing Candy Crush for six months didn't speak to anyone the other one like organized and sort everything out and and they were saying, like, they had this com- amazing conversation where they were like, they found it really hard to understand what the other one was doing and kind of to be like, why aren't you stepping up? Why are you, you know? And it's just, I found that really interesting because I was like, oh, even twins, <laughs> like even yeah. that, pretty much the same upbringing. And it's just, you know, grief is, it's not like a pair of shoes you can, everyone tries on and it's like, oh, like this one will all be fine. Size five will be fine. It's, it's really an individual experience. So is that how your dad, dad passed away? Was it in a car accident? Yes. Oh, God. That's a really shocking thing to experience because obviously something yeah. is as sudden and brutal as that. Did you just get a phone call? Is it, was it that kind of situation?
3: Yeah, phone call. Um, he didn't pass away in, the, in that moment. He, he went to the hospital and he lived for eight days, but oh. never cognizant. Mm. Um, and it was like a very uh every day was like touch and go ICU um so it was like eight days of like panic and just an unthinkable thing that had somehow just happened Mm. um and you know he was a doctor so like we had to like sell his practice while he was in the hospital because
1: oh god
3: it's all like there were just like just There were things we had to do in order to like save the business and Mm. like, and it was just this, it was just, everything was just the most sudden awful thing where like our entire lives changed in, in a matter of hours really. And yeah, I I had to, I remember the driving to the hospital to go and see him and just knowing because he had not contacted me that he was not going to be okay
1: you know Mm. it's like now I know that it's no wonder to me that you have death anxiety (laughs) like when you experience something as shocking and sudden as that I mean like you know a cancer is sudden but it's it's slower it's not a phone call you know it's a series as you know with your mom of like meetings and chats and then very slowly you're like oh this person's dying whereas yeah. Interesting. This episode. I was just talking about the Mac twins, their dad died of a heart attack and they just got a phone call. And I think that's, you know, there's no, obviously there's no good or bad. No one wins in this competition, but getting just the phone call is you're dealing with shock yeah. for so long. And I felt like I was in genuinely shock for about 18 years. Like I honestly, and that's from a cancer death. Like, I just feel like, like you said earlier, which I think I wanted to like go. Oh yeah, I feel the same. Like I knew he was dead <laughs> if someone had said he's come back I would have been like all oh, right yeah like it's the knowing and not knowing at the same like sort of refusing to accept it as you said when you kind of pushing it over here into blinker area so yeah. you can kind of live your life you can see ahead of you but over here there's this fuzzy somebody maybe died but if we don't look too closely maybe it's all right. like because I think that's right. that's kind of shock like your body goes into this a way to protect you and I think that's definitely what happened to me if like my body was like just don't think about it. it's just not possible for your brain to take that and especially like you said if you don't have to sell and all that like it is like someone flipping your world out completely overnight Mm -hmm. so I can imagine by the time yeah you know like you said like your mom was ill you were very done with this (laughs) like oh life like life coming along and giving you phone calls and lessons and So yeah my god your brother has the number plate that's really interesting isn't it what how people process things and again there's no right or wrong as I completely understand that there's a ownership of having it remembering it and honoring it and there's another ownership of being like no thank you Welcome back to Griefcast with Carrie Lloyd. Do you find it hard to look at pictures of them now? Do, are you like when you said the shrine? Do you, as your house, kind of like, are you know, you're not putting pictures up of them? And
3: um, I, you know, I yes and no. I go through phases where I like having pictures around, and then other phases where I I can't deal with it. Mm. So yes, I, I I'm right now. I'm in a sort of I'm not I, mainly because I'm also re changing around my office and stuff so I just don't have but I do I have my own little shrine objects that I will put back you know into the rightful I actually look forward to having a space to put things you know to just change the way that I've been and to make it more it's just that we've moved so much and I moved so much with three women and all that 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 it was more uh it was harder to kind of put it's harder to put those sorts of roots down when you're
1: mm.
3: moving around.
1: So did you start writing Three Women after all this had happened? Yes.
3: I mean, I definitely no. don't think that I would have been able to write a book about sex if my parents had been alive. <laughs> so I definitely think so. With your husband saying something about it being free. Mm. there is the freeing aspect of it. It's the only thing that you can really, you know, look at with a sense of like, gratitude yeah yeah there's a there's a freedom from ever having to have that fear again like Mm. if the worst thing has happened the worst thing in that happened and so that's it you don't need to think about it anymore
1: yeah and that's the thing with the with the death anxiety isn't it? it's like I remember thinking well at least he's not on my list like I don't have to worry about him dying it's done (laughs) so the list is one person smaller phew um yeah, I mean, if yeah, if anyone hasn't read your amazing book, Three Women, it's, it's interesting to me because it is such an all-consuming thing that you went through and moving, like you said, moving around so much that, like, yeah, after after grief, then, or in grief, in grief, you can disappear into that situation and just disappear. Because I remember reading about, um, like, yeah, how you did it and how long you you were sort of talking to people. I remember thinking, oh, my God, like, this is... Wow, like what a huge, huge thing to do. And do you feel like it was not motivated by grief, but do you feel like partly grief, it was grief was fueling some part of that journey? Yes, definitely.
3: I think that um, it was one of the reasons that people were open to talking to me. Mm. Um, it was fueling my desire to make other people feel less alone. Mm. So that's like it just felt easier to concentrate on other people um I didn't want to look at myself
1: yeah yeah I can relate to that a lot (laughs) (laughs) um the catchphrase for the show is you are not alone (laughs) and that's like all I ever wanted to do was because I felt so alone yeah and then it's that funny thing is that like some people will say to me oh like it's, it's you know I don't when you say you are not alone, it's so nice and you feel like so useful and grief makes you feel so useless and it's such exactly. a nice feeling. But at the same time, there's like 1% of it which is just like, I didn't have anyone. Like I wish I'd had a podcast that would have I yeah. could have listened to. But obviously, you're, I'm- you know. there is nothing. It really, I mean, there.
3: it's just like a, this is really a, an amazing resource to have. I, I wish I'd had this too. You know, I think it's like it's it's really hard in our culture, you know, definitely the U.S. I mean, I I don't know exactly how the U.K. is different, but I assume it's not too different. But it's really there aren't a lot of resources. They're not easy to find. Um, And you kind of have to like I don't know, you have to wade through a lot of stuff to like find things I find. or You have to. It's a lot better now.
1: Yeah, it's a lot better. And there's a lot more stuff available. And I mean, obviously, you know, so I was like pre-internet when my dad died. So like, there was no, you know, I had one girl in my school year that had, um her dad had died. And like, so we knew each other. <laughs> but like, other than that, you just had no idea that this had happened to anyone else. And I think sometimes you can feel like what's happened to you is really weird. Like I thought for years, it was very strange that he had died. Very like a strange yeah. thing had happened to us. And then actually when I read others, statistics of the type of cancer he had I was like oh it's like the, one of the fifth most common cancers in in the UK like why but again because people just don't you know weren't talking about death or cancer it was all hidden up and it, it, it is so much better I mean as ever we've got a long way to go um did you seek therapy I was just thinking as well if you're moving around it's kind of hard to do that as well
2: like
3: <laughs> I did I it, that's exactly right I I thought I, I would see a different therapist every time I moved oh, okay. um, for the first couple of weeks that I had moved to a new place, I would continue speaking to the former therapist on the phone. If they were, um, you know, from a different yeah. town or, or state, but to be perfectly honest, I never found somebody like really, really great. Mm. Uh, none of the people were good enough for me to kind of, to continue calling, which is why I didn't mind finding new people in every place that I went. Therapy, it never really helped me. And I don't think that's because therapy can't help. I think it's Mm. because I never found the right combination of therapist and sort of type of therapy. I also, part of what I developed, part of what I had and then also developed more of after my parents' deaths was OCD. Mm. And a lot of the OCD is like kind of related to hypochondria or fearing, you know, that sort of death anxiety that you were Mm -hmm. talking about. But for me, it manifests in OCD and sort of like the um, looping thoughts Mm -hmm. of it. So, uh, you know, I've, I've kind of more recently found out that I have OCD. And that's how it manifests for me. So I I don't know. I I have not I know there's exposure therapy and stuff like that I don't I'm kind of I guess and this is going to be a you know a very silly thing to say but I'm so busy work wise that opening the can of worms like dismantling the sort mm-hmm. of patch together uh you know Um, person that I've made myself into is, and having a child that I have to sort of consider. I don't have, when I was, after my, I lost my parents and I was single and I, and, and, and not a parent, I like did yoga like twice a day. I walked all around Manhattan. I had, all (laughs) I took care of my grief, you know, and I, and that's, you know, it still took me a long time and I still didn't fully get over it, but I, I was, Doing or trying to live, um, and I don't have the uh, the benefit of that sort of time anymore. And I do remember from that time that opening myself up in that way and trying to like heal was incredibly disruptive. And if and that's one of the reasons why, you know, having had money from selling my parents' house and having the ability to stay afloat without without being too desperate about it made me able to survive in a way that I always think about like you know how awful it is for people who did not have the the luck that I had had
1: yeah yeah it's that weird thing, isn't it? Like, there's a joke here of like, if someone buys a house in London, it's like, oh, are their parents rich or did their parents die? <laughs> like, it's like that's surely how you can afford it. And that weirdness about, yeah, like it, that lifeline that your, your parents can still throw you, which, you know, obviously is reflective, um, dependent on your, their privilege and your privilege and all of those things that, that come before us. Do you think, this is, I'm just asking as someone who also likes to fill their time a lot, do you think like there's a part of you that is like keeping the work going so the box stays closed? Like, is there a part that's like, if I keep going, then I don't notice the box because I'm so busy?
3: Yeah, maybe. I think, I think, but I think it's more towards like, let me, let me do as much as I can. And, you know, get sort of as stable as possible before mm. the inevitable shoe drops and I have to just, you know, spend all of my earned resources on, you know, figuring out how to save this person's life or my own or I don't
1: know. Mm.
3: I <laughs> that's it's all I think about. It's not like everything I do is motivated by that fear. Everything um,
1: Yeah, when you were saying about obviously I can uh, yeah relate to the looping thoughts and the OCD and um because both my husband and I both lost um, parents to cancer, so like my friend was really shocked. I thought this was normal, so I told my friend like anything, anything, a creak, a bump. We're like, do you think it's cancer? And she was like, it would never occur to me. And I was like, is it just? I said, wow, is it not the first thing you think? And her parents, she had quite, um, I mean, it was fine, but her parents got divorced and she was like, anything that happens, I think we're going to get divorced. And I was like, oh, never occurs to me. Never doesn't, I was like, I'm just on cancer watch all the time. And then we drive each other crazy because we both lost parents to cancer. So we're like, yeah, it could be, couldn't it? I don't know. Go to. I think she goes to the doctor. And we we have to kind of talk each other down because it's like our learned experience is this very weird, you know, he both his parents died of cancer. My dad does three out of four. You're like... Oh God, <laughs> the statistics aren't great, guys. Yeah, so it's, really it's hard not to go down there. And I remember I I eventually found a therapist who I, yeah, was really great. And it took a long, 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 long time. And I remember her saying to me once, you know, not everyone dies of cancer. And I was like, yeah, but somebody did. <laughs> like, somebody did. And she was like, yes, but think of the people who haven't. And I was like, yeah, but one this one time, it's like, you know, it's like saying, "Oh, you know, not all chilies are hot." You're like, "Yeah, but the one I ate burnt my mouth, so I'm not gonna eat them again." Um, and to be fair, not all chilies are hot. As other as chilies, um, yeah,
3: right? But that's the thing. It's like when I would find someone who said something like that, I would just be like, "This person hasn't." There was just a people who have not lost people, and mm. or there's people who have lost people and don't have that same fear.
1: Yeah, I um, guess. which
3: is fine and great for them, but I have a hard time understanding how they can understand my, me mm. having not suffered it in a sense. Yeah. Um, and you know, I know that that's not exactly fair, but that's something I do think. Um, you know, I do feel like it's it's it, it's almost like something I would probably look for. In a future therapist it's mm. the lived experience of it yeah
1: yeah I definitely when I would try people it, like dating um if I sensed for a second that they didn't get it they weren't in the club yeah. I found it impossible like and I still I still find it hard and I would still say they're not in the club like they don't get it like when I'm talking about something and because you know as soon as somebody's in the club when you're talking about your feelings and they get it it's just a different it's just such a different experience and my the therapist I found who was great (laughs) like she was like a very professional therapist so she like never revealed anything about herself but um I think she was she I could tell she's in a club she's in a club she got it and then also what I liked because I know what you mean is I could tell that she hadn't had the thoughts that I had, but she took them very seriously. And that was the first time I'd had that as someone being like, yeah, that makes sense. This awful thing happened. It was awful because I spent so many years diminishing it. Like oh, it was years ago and everybody did. People die of have cancer. What's the big deal? Why am I so upset? And she just kept saying, no, it. that sounds really awful. <laughs> I kept thinking. Oh, it's nice to have someone just agree, like agree with the feelings because you're arguing with the feelings all the time, and that's so exhausting. It's such a tiring place to be. It is. <laughs> we're fine, guys. We want to know hashtag We're We're Fine. It's just as tiring. Um, how do you feel now about like the anniversaries? Do you notice them or mark them or?
3: I do. I notice them. I I I notice them, and I feel uh, my brother will always say something. Also, so even if I wasn't sort of, I notice them. I try to not. Uh, they're not as bad. They used to be really awful. I used mm-hmm. to like dread the entire month of September, which is yeah. my favorite month. I used to dread it because it was when my father died. I, I didn't have as much pain around the birthday as the death day. Mm-hmm that for me became very um or not even the death day but the accident day because that was really the day that my world was completely yeah
1: you know
3: like that sort of the phone call of it is really the um you know and and I also I was also primed to have a sort of phone call issue because when my mom um my dad had diabetes and when we found out he had diabetes it was like uh, he called my mom and told her on the phone and she was very like dramatic about it um, and like sort of like clutched the table like and it, it it was it was what was bad about it was that you know my dad had a history of, of heart disease in his family etc and the diabetes thing was but but in and of itself it wasn't cancer you know it wasn't all, yeah, like yeah. awful stuff and so but my mom treated it as though it were And I mean, her, and partly because she didn't have a lot of medical understanding and the word to her being from a different country, diabetes, you know, it's a, Mm. it's a terrible word. I I think watching her reaction to it was very like, oh, oh, this is, so something's bad. Mm. But it was also that my father, who was somebody who was utterly the rock in our family was penetrable or porous was the thing that kind of uh, was debilitating. And then I think that sort of second phone it just kind of like I lived my life in between those two phone calls in a sense. And and then the second one came and I was like vindicated and I was right. And so I also go through life with a certain amount of like, I can see the future, you know, I am... I, I know things that other people don't know and everybody should listen to me. If I'm afraid that we should all stay home for a full two weeks. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have had to be talked down several times with my husband being like, you don't know, I, I've got a feeling, I've got a feel. I've got a bad feeling, I've got a bad feeling, I have got bad feeling i do not think we should do this. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's taken me a long time to be like, you have a fear, you don't yeah. know the truth. It's a fear and, you know, but it's hard it's seeking control when you the control has been taken from you especially when it's something sudden like that it's like your body is just just trying to pin things down and make things stable because it's like ah something came along and we described it actually on a lot of other episodes of like the magician's tablecloth trick like it's like someone's whisked that tablecloth away and everything is sort of in the same position but not quite and so Mm -hmm. you're feeling like that could happen at any time so I need to be like clinging onto this (laughs) tablecloth, like no one's gonna do that and yeah it's really it's really hard it's really hard not to to feel that faith in your in your yeah like you said in like seeing the truth or knowing things because the world is fucking scary (laughs) like it's really scary and I I mean I took I tried to take that to heart what that therapist said of like every time I'd be freaking out I'd be like count the people who haven't died like just count them in your head and that you know eventually i was like okay it is a lot it's a lot more that, that your therapist uh My,
3: tool. was that the therapist suggested tool
1: no no i just That's thought because great. she, she yeah. kept saying to me well you know yeah like it's only one person and i was so because it annoyed me so much i was like okay well i guess you hit that point where you're like well i'm so fed up with thinking everyone's going to die at every single moment I was like okay go through go through and think about it like here's all the people who who didn't get cancer or had a disease and are okay and actually that's actually that it's kind of yes there's the people who died and the people who live but actually it's not you know you're not living in the situation where it's medieval times and cholera has come to your village like you're not living <laughs> like in that but it's very easy to understand why your body might feel like that yeah and then you know when you start reading everything about anxiety and all that stuff about you know the brain in fear mode and what it like it, it makes you very irrational and it makes yeah. you feel yeah. like you know you know everything and you've got to be safe and no you know you're not protected and it's yeah it's it's hard I did a lot of like breath work like that's the other thing I try to do is like just the the I need to do that that's, yeah it's a lot about that just, <laughs> just even um what is it? It's like the parasympathetic nervous system. And I'm probably saying that wrong, but if you no. literally breathe out longer than you breathe in. Oh, okay. Like as simple as that, like to so breathe in for four, you breathe out for eight, which is also what they tell you to do in labor. Um, And it's like, Paper. oh, as in um childbirth. Oh, labor. <laughs> labor sorry. <laughs> I thought I was like
3: neighbor. Is that like a, uh, like
1: a <laughs> people with OCD? That's my <laughs> London accent. Labor. um, yeah. <laughs> And I found that quite helpful because it does work. Like it does make your brain take a step back from that part of your brain that's like, "Everyone's gonna die, get out of the room now." Like if you just breathe out longer than you're breathing in, your brain starts going, "Um, oh sorry, I may no, I don't sorry, I don't think they are gonna die." Sorry, I don't know why I said that. (laughs) And then you can kind of have this like, "Yeah," but it's you know, it's not easy, and it's it's uh. I think this is the thing with grief isn't it is it's every day it's like a process it's not and I think we're we're constantly hoping that you know you'll reach the end and it'll be fixed and everything will be okay but it's unfortunately it's slightly more complicated than that and (laughs) sadly sadly they made humans more complicated and I I really understand and empathize with you with like you said your dad's anniversary because that that really was a, a like a before this moment, after this moment, like here is the turning point in that character's story. Like, there you go, everything changed. And I think there's nothing wrong in, it, in it, yeah. Acknowledging that, like that, that's very difficult. So are they, are they buried? Is that what happened or?
3: They are, they're buried um, in New Jersey near my home. And it's funny is my husband was like, maybe we should bring them here, like to, you know, our house, like, and like, that was a very weird thing for me because they are buried and I can't imagine, I mean, this is going to be really gothic and frightening and insane, but I would want to open, I know, I know, but but that's part of the OCD too, is that Mm. like desire to like, oh, well, let me see it like why can't I maybe I would like it how do I know I wouldn't like like you know like something like that so um yeah sorry so that
1: was probably more than no no that's fine it's totally fine (laughs) I completely got it that's yeah (laughs) I would be really I'd feel quite conflicted about that as well yeah I think it's if you have also do you know what's a terrible combination of um an overactive imagination which clearly you have because you're a writer being creative with that overactive imagination trauma and then you're like let me imagine all the terrible things (laughs) like it's just like so powerful and I used to sometimes think god I wish I just couldn't imagine these things but it's like so fast like a Netflix horror show like immediately in my brain so yeah exactly. I, can, I can relate to being like Ooh. <laughs> oh my god um Lisa it was so nice to talk to you I I don't want to keep you too long um oh, I this has been absolutely lovely and I oh, am good. So, um I'm so grateful no it was so nice and it's so nice to remember Peter and Pia Thank my you. dad was Peter as well so that's oh god easy for me um, yeah 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 I, yeah yeah And you don't get many these days. So it's always, yeah, it's always nice when you have a pizza. Thank you so much. Thank you you so much, Caria. You can find more information about Lisa at www.lisatodeo.com. That's T A D D E O.com. She's on Twitter at Lisa D. Todeo, and obviously her books are available to buy from all good bookstores. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at The Griefcast. Um, the book is available to pre order now. You Are Not Alone is out January the 19th. I'd hugely appreciate it if you. Find you're able to do that. Sorry for going on about it so much. The show was recorded remotely, it was edited by Kate Holland. Music was provided by the Glue Ensemble. Stop motion animation is provided by Alice Loveday. And remember, you are not alone.
2: Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long.